Good morning, everybody. Happy Thanksgiving to you and to your family. It is good to see you here. And I pray God's richest blessing upon you in this season. Uh, when uh, Pastor Jen was speaking, um, uh, I, I haven't spoken about my wife in a sermon in a while, and so I, I felt like I should. Uh, but when we first met, um, she had a list. She spoke in a chapel at the university, and uh, she referenced a list of things she, she loves and is very grateful for. And at the top of that list was not my name, but Tilex, a cleaner um, that you use to clean different surfaces. And I remember sitting in that chapel wanting to hear the word of the Lord, but uh, after I realized I didn't even make the top five, it was really hard to listen to the message after that. But it's a, it, it, it's a reminder to me in some ways, in a strange way, that sometimes gratitude or thanksgiving is not just about the big things, but recognizing the many blessings in our life. Uh, sometimes... Um, uh, just having a journal and, 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 and thinking about the good things we enjoy, the blessings of God, if you will, uh, can really do a lot to change even how we pray and what we ask for. Uh, there's a, a quote that I often use. It says, Amidst all that is wrong in the world, discern what is good, see what is good, and give God thanks. And so I invite you this morning to recognize that the Lord has been good to you. Amen. <laughs> He has been good to us. He has been faithful to us. The Lord is worthy of our praise and our glory and our thanksgiving today. He is good. And I pray that out of that spirit of thanksgiving, we would be the people of generosity, the people of faithfulness, the people that God longs us to be. It's so good to have you here. And this morning, I want to invite you to stand with me in honor of the Word of God. And I'm going to pray a prayer, or we're going to pray a prayer together, that we pray every Sunday after which I will read the Word of the Lord this morning. Let us pray. Lord, open our hearts and minds by the power of your Holy Spirit, that as the Scriptures are read and your Word is proclaimed, we may hear with joy what you have to say to us today. Amen. Once more Jesus spoke to them in parables, saying, The kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who gave a wedding banquet for his son. He sent his slaves to call those who had been invited to the wedding banquet, but they would not come. Again, he sent other slaves, saying, Tell those who have been invited, look, I have prepared my dinner, my oxen, and my fat calves have been slaughtered, and everything is ready. Come to the wedding banquet. But they made light of it and went away, one to his farm, another to his business. And while the rest seized these slaves, mistreated them, and killed them. The king was enraged. He sent his troops, destroyed those murderers, and burned their city. And then he said to his slaves, The wedding is ready, but those invited were not worthy. Go, therefore, into the main streets and invite everyone you find to the wedding banquet. 
And those slaves went out into the streets and gathered all whom they found, both good and bad. So the wedding hall was filled with guests. But when the king came to see the guest, he noticed a man there who was not wearing a robe. And he said to him, friend, how did you get in here without a wedding robe? And he was speechless. Then the king said to his attendants, bind him hand and foot and throw him into the outer darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. For many are called, but few are chosen. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. I preface this message by admitting to you a very, very difficult parable to preach on. I have a preaching path, a preaching plan. I follow what's called the Revised Common Lectionary, but this past week I thought to myself, maybe I should bail on the lectionary plan. This doesn't quite seem an appropriate Thanksgiving text, but uh, uh, the reason I follow a preaching plan is because, as I have shared with you over the years, it, it kind of forces me to be honest with the Word of God. I can't just choose my own text that I enjoy. Uh, it's like a friend of mine said, you know, you can't just give your people dessert every Sunday. And a preaching path that is comprehensive like the lectionary is that tries to follow the ministry and the witness of Jesus Christ takes us to a text this morning that I find very problematic, very challenging. I think there's a few things I would say before I share some insights on this text. I would say, first of all, uh, this is the third in a sequence of three parables that Jesus is telling, and he is speaking very specifically, specifically to Israel's religious leaders. In a message a few year, weeks ago that Pastor Ryan preached wonderfully for us, he, he referencing the parable of the two sons, the one who says, yes, I will show up and work. The other says no and never shows up. And Jesus seems to kind of impart some challenge to those listening to say that it is one thing to kind of say I'm in, but not showing up is the proof of whether you are in. And there seems to be in Jesus' confrontation of these religious leaders of Israel a real challenge that he puts forth. Uh, last week in the parable of the vineyard, I referenced the opening word in, that starts that teaching as listen, this word shema, that means not just to hear but to obey. And there seems to be a Jesus who is desiring to restore the people of God to himself through the Son. And Jesus is beckoning this religious leaders to kind of see who he is and to respond to God appropriately. And this morning, the kingdom is equated to a wedding banquet. I got to be honest, I, uh, I miss any banquets right now. The closest that we come as a community to having banquets regularly is uh, potlucks. And we throw it down on potlucks. I mean, some good food. And I don't know if you grew up like I did, but when we spoke about the kingdom of heaven, when we spoke about kind of the place that this is all eventually going to end up, uh, a lot of times I heard it described with revelation language, like the streets paved with gold and the eternal singing choir. 
But Jesus seems to teach us about a kingdom that, that is about not only showing up, but being involved. Uh, when he speaks about the vineyard, he speaks about those who are engaged in fruitful labor. When he speaks about a wedding banquet here, he speaks about those who don't only show up but are dressed appropriately for the occasion. There seems to be a way in which Jesus redefines for those listening to him what this kingdom really is about. And I like the image of a wedding banquet. I wish I chose Luke's rendition of this text because Luke doesn't get as problematic as Matthew. Uh, but there is wonderful uh, invitation in the text, but there's an incredibly challenging portion to it that if we are to listen as God's people well to the text and receive all of what it says, it is a challenge to each one of us. And so Jesus tells this parable. Uh, he says that, uh, the, you know, the, the banquet, the time has come. It's a, the wedding banquet of the Son, and so he sends his servants, to those who had RSVP'd. Now, in the culture and custom of Jesus' day, there was a notice that was initially sent saying there is going to be a wedding banquet, and then follow up to that, kind of like our culture in some ways, the day of the banquet arrives, and because there was not necessarily time-telling like we have, messengers were sent out to say, the feast is now ready. And to the surprise of the king who is hosting the banquet for the sun, those who said yes, who RSVP'd, who sent in their mail-in ballot and says, we're coming, don't show up. The Word of God explains to us, so Jesus tells us that there's two reactions to this invitation. But before the people kind of respond the way they do, they the king sends out a second invitation. And when he sends out the second invitation, he kind of expresses everything that is on the menu. Oxen and fattened calves. I've gone through a great amount of effort to make this banquet accessible to you. I'm ready. Maybe there's a sense in which the king is saying, if they hear what's on the menu, they'll show up. I like RSVPs to weddings where you get to choose what you're going to eat. And I don't know if you like me, but I start to think about that steak when that time comes. But, but there's this, this kind of real sense of the, the, the king wanting to, to convey something through this. He, he wants to say, listen, the, the, the banquet is ready, the food is ready, now is the time to respond. And the text tells us that the people respond in two ways. There are those who had RSVP'd, but they take no notice of the second invitation. In another translation, our translation, it says they made light of it. In just my own interpretation, they just did not care enough about the banquet. The Word of God says that one went to his farm and another one attended to his business. It is as if in the telling of the story, Jesus is highlighting that, that there is priorities that has overtaken the invitation to the banquet. 
There are things that have become more important or have become a stumbling block to the people responding to that which they had said yes to. But there's a second group of invitees that respond in even a more aggressive way. They mistreat the messenger slaves and they eventually kill them. And then get this, the story goes off the rails. The king responds to the rejection of his invitation and it says according to the word that he destroys their city. Now when I read about this, I, I, I read some commentators and they said some interesting things. They said if one keeps in context that Jesus is speaking to Israel's religious leaders, uh, most interpreters, at least this is what one commentary suggests, so I'm going to go with it. Uh, one commentary suggests that most interpreters think that what Jesus is alluding to here is when Rome came into Jerusalem and basically burnt it to the ground. I think that does make sense to some extent, especially if you think about the kind of temple religion that Jesus is rejecting. But the king responds to their rejection, and I think this is really important. The opportunity has been given. The invitation has been given. Judgment does not precede the gracious invitation of the king, but is brought upon those people by the intentional rejection to the invitation. Some of you who know biblical history will say, but Stu, you know, I know it's not God who, like, destroyed Jerusalem. Uh, but, you know, in the Old Testament, uh, there's evidence that when the people resist and resist and resist, God kind of goes, okay, I'll let you have what you want. Uh, and even pagan kings somehow become a part of the people's narrative of judgment because they've brought it upon themselves. And so it seems like what we have here is a, a situation in which the king's response perhaps to our own sentiments seems to be harsh. But keep in mind that grace upon grace has been extended. And then the king, after this destructive action, invites, tells his, his, his slaves, I, I want you to invite absolutely anyone you come across on the street. Open the gates, open the door, make sure everyone who can hear, hears about this. Now, if you listen closely to the three last sermons, or the, the two last sermons, uh, the parables, it seems to follow the same trajectory. Those who said yes, don't show up, and the kingdom is given to others. And the others that the kingdom is given to does not quite look like those who initially made the guest list, or that those who made the guest list would feel comfortable with eating with. But the king extends the invitation to absolutely anyone the slaves would encounter. I think there's a wonderful uh, a truth in that. I, I, I think there's a wonderful grace in that. Uh, that. That there is this idea that the scripture seems to be alluding to and Jesus seems to be teaching is that the kingdom is absolutely open to everyone. I think that is good news. I think it is wonderful news to know that, 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 that there is no discrimination, but anyone can come who wants to respond to the invitation. I think I want to be a part of a church that does that. Can I get an amen? But you see, uh, Matthew doesn't allow me just to rest on that nice, warm, fuzzy truth. 
everyone is invited. And here's where Matthew deviates from Luke. He says that the king shows up in the banquet hall to inspect the guest. <laughs> Imagine doing that. I don't know if brides and grooms do that at their banquets. I kind of started to think about this, and I said, how do we enter this text in a way that makes sense? I don't think I show up. I show up, at, you know, playing golf in a suit, right? Or, or at a funeral in shorts. Inappropriate. You don't show up at, <laughs> maybe some of us do, uh, you don't show up at a wedding banquet in the day of Jesus without wearing wedding garments. You, you, you don't show up for the occasion without being changed to be at the occasion. And, and it seems like uh, Jesus is is, is tying into a cultural kind of reality. Uh, some believe, some interpret this to mean that, that when a king hosted a wedding banquet, uh, when guests were invited, it was the king's responsibility to, or the host's responsibility to issue everyone with appropriate wedding garments. Sounds expensive. I have two girls. It's going to be a small wedding if that's what I got to do. <laughs> There's some who say we don't have to necessarily follow the cultural context here. Uh, there was also a sense in which most people, even common people, would have, you know, nicer clothes, uh, white garments sometimes that they would set aside. And, and so when they are invited to a special event, they would get there dressed appropriately. Here's what I do know, whether you interpret it as the host needing to give the garment, all we know is this, which the text makes clear, is that one person shows up in this banquet hall and they clearly are not dressed for the occasion. And I kind of say to myself, what do we do with that? Like, I, okay, Jesus, give us more. You, you open the door so wide to everyone. In fact, the text says good and bad is invited in. It wasn't like the invitation was just for the Nazarenes. This invitation was for everyone. Everyone come in. Everyone is welcome. I think we all love the inclusive nature of the invitation of God. But it seems that Jesus is saying that when you show up, something changes when you get there. Something changes when you show up at the banquet. Something is received that makes you ready for the party that will follow. You see, the grace of God is expansive and open and invites absolutely everyone. I preach this almost every Sunday with all my heart, that the kingdom gates are open to everyone. But this God, this God who makes himself known through Jesus Christ and gives the church his spirit says all are welcome, but as you come, expect this, that you must be changed by me. For many are invited. For all are welcome, but few are chosen. I don't know if I, uh, if I could express this in another way. I, I've thought about how to say this in a way that would make sense to my children, that they would hear the word of hope as well as the word of caution. I want the church to pay attention to 
the word that comes to us as God through Jesus convicts Israel of its inability to be clothed in that which God has always destined them to be. I'm an old-time Nazarene, even though I'm young, I know. Not used to. Uh, you know, someone remarked that I look sharp today, and they asked me right afterwards, are you dedicating a baby? No, I just dressed up nicely for you. But I'm a, I'm a bit of an old Nazarene in this sense who, who believes that the God who calls us and saves us by this unmerited favor of His grace, this open arms, desires not to leave us as we are, but to transform us into the very likeness of His Son, Jesus Christ, which begs this one question, if you've said yes, what are you wearing today? Does our lives reflect not only that we have responded to the hospitality, but we understand the occasion? The words of Scripture are at times harsh. I wish they weren't. The Word of Scripture speaks to us a challenge that says something changes, the clothing must change when the guests show up in the banquet, but the lack of clothing is an indication, perhaps in some ways, that someone responded to the invitation but did not understand the implications. Someone showed up but has yet to be transformed. Maybe they showed up in their farming gear. Maybe they showed up in their business attire. You know, culturally speaking, if you showed up at a wedding without the proper, uh, 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 you know, uh, attire, you would be insulting the host. <laughs> there, there seems to be maybe some things lost on us that the text never will heal because it doesn't really say it. But I, I'm just going to play around with this idea of what does it mean to be appropriately dressed as a Christian in our culture and in our day? What does it mean to not just show up, but to be a part of the work in the vineyard. What does it mean to be fruitful? What does it mean to be holy, sanctified, and set apart for the work of God? What does it mean to show up ready to do that which the occasion begs us to do? Oh, there was one wedding I went to. That I, no, I've been to many weddings, but I, I went to this one wedding. If you haven't noticed, I'm, I'm actually fairly conservative. And um, I am a good dancer, though. <laughs> Actually, very good. <laughs> I'm humble also. My mom, when she met my dad, stopped dancing. It's one of the saddest stories, narratives of their own, you know, because he was a Nazarene pastor. Back then, Nazarene pastors didn't dance. My mom was a ballroom dancer. And so when I was in my teens, I came across this uh, photo album, and, and I painted her, and she had the longest black hair. And, and, and I came across this photo album, and her hair was done up, and she's in a ballroom gowns, and there's just like picture after picture. And I'm like, who is this? And what my mom told me, it was, I was like, what did my dad do with my mom? Fortunately, the gene fell on me. I'm a really good dancer. But over the years, I became really self-conscious. I, I didn't want to dance in front of people as a Nazarene pastor, you know? You can move your hips, but don't let your feet move, kind of thing. <laughs> but I went to a wedding, 
And at this wedding, my girls were old enough, but not too old, where they wanted to dance. And I knew it was coming. I could see it happening. And I was like, man, I'm not ready to dance. They came over. They took me by the hand. I don't know if they remember, but I know whose wedding it was. And they pulled me on the dance floor, and it was the first time that I had danced in years, but I danced with my girls. And in the course of dancing, I forgot what everybody else was thinking about me. I was just enjoying the freedom of that dance. You know, I, I wonder if perhaps in a text that just feels so heavy, doesn't it? It feels so difficult, so tough. If we've been invited to the dance, but the clothing we wear just won't let us dance. I wonder if there's some things in our lives that holds us back as Christians that we cannot just enjoy being invited to the banquet. One commentator wrote this, and I, I wrote it down, and I'm going to quote it for you. He says, the proper response to the king's invitation, Jesus declares, is to run breathless to the banquet, dressed for the marriage of heaven and earth, wondering how we ever got put on such a guest list, but rejoicing that we are included and praising our God and dancing in freedom that we have not only made the list, but we have been dressed in the righteousness that comes from Jesus Christ. What are you wearing? What, what needs to be changed? What in our lives needs to be discarded so that we can wear that which is appropriate for that occasion to which we have all been invited? I, I say to you as the church and as your pastor, I, I stand before you and uh, under the Word of God today, and I say to the Lord, seek me, search my heart, know my thoughts, lead me in your ways, teach me what it is, Lord, that I am yet to have your hand change and transform. You know, when Jesus encountered the wayward, the tax collector, and the prostitute, he invited them into relationship with the Father. He healed them, but he also changed their lives. I think that when we read a text like this today, we are invited to respond not only by showing up, but by being changed. How are you doing? Where's the Spirit speaking to us today? Ah, it's the kindness of the Lord that leads us to repentance. It is uh, His love for us that sometimes brings light to some things that is just not right. How is the Lord inviting us to... Uh, be free today in Him. <laughs> How is the Lord inviting us to shrug some things off? Because He loves us so. Do you know you can trust Him? Do you know that you can trust Him with the dirty clothes? You can trust Him with the things that are not right? Do you know that you can trust Him with those that things that no one else may may know about. You can trust Him. He is good. He is gracious. 
and he is mighty to save. Thanks be to God. Amen. Father, I thank you for your word. And I join my brothers and sisters hearing your call to not just show up, but to be changed. I ask, Lord, that um, that we would be humble before you today wherever we may even be viewing this from, that in our living room or on our beds or wherever we may find ourselves, that we would be able to respond to your invitation. And now I pray uh, that for some of us who know what it is that is marring the wedding clothes, <laughs> for some of us that uh, are desiring to stand in that wedding banquet free from that which encumbers and holds us back. I pray that we would have courage to believe that as we confess whatever it is to you, you are faithful and just to forgive and to cleanse and to restore. I pray this in faith knowing that Jesus has made all things possible. Amen.